passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting for the next uh, amount of time that is listed in front of you. How are you, Wei? Not bad, John. Yourself? Uh, I am doing all right. I'm doing okay. We have a lot of stuff to discuss on tonight's show. There is plenty going on in the wrestling world, and we have a two-hour Dynamite show to discuss. Mm-hmm. As always, there's, there's always lots going on, but... Uh... Anything specific to today? Specific to today, um, I'm tra- I'm I'm rewinding. Um, well, I had a great chat today with uh, with Damien Abraham. If you want to go uh, check that interview out on the website, chatting about uh, the passing of Danny Havoc. Uh, Damien joined me earlier today, so we had a, a discussion about you know his interactions with him over the years and his episode of the Wrestlers. So. Yeah, it's always great to catch up with Damien, even for a uh, unfortunate news item such as that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I haven't heard it yet, but um, I look forward to hearing it. I, I will add. I thought our ask away. I I don't always just want to be the person like, oh, this show's great, and this show's great, and this show's great. I really thought our ask away was very good this week. I think it might have been our best ask away. Really? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. That show's hit. That show's hit and miss. I'll be honest. Like, there's sometimes <laughs> where it's like the questions are, um, you know, some are really great, and I get going. And this is as much on me. Like sometimes it's uh, I- I've got to uh, engage with the questions asked. But there were really good questions this week, and I thought that my energy level lasted uh, like a good ninety percent of the show. I think. I think you're too hard on yourself. I'm I'm usually pretty pretty happy after ask a ways, but uh, this one maybe in particular was. Was that much more special? Yes. Um, so that's out there. If you want to hear us uh, talk about what the appeal was of Limp Biscuit, we really try to narrow in on a very bizarre moment in pop culture history. And from there, we go that, into many other that, more I discussions. Think that be a whole episode of The Last Ride is The Undertaker's <laughs> um, relationship with Limp Biscuit's Roland. Yeah, yeah. What what was it about um what was the chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water and its impact on you, Mark Calloway? Mhm. Yeah. Okay, I'm starting to envision the man doing karaoke. Uh so we will move on from there. Um I I want to thank everyone for all the um the comments regarding Monday's show. I I don't want to uh, spend time like 
some like pat on the back or anything that is uh really mm-hmm. directed towards Nate and Andrew who really made that show and I'm glad we could just uh facilitate for them to come on um but you know I I heard from lots and lots of people both uh, publicly and privately uh, about that show I'm very happy uh, the way it came out and I'm re- really glad that we did it in that format I want to thank p- people for the retweets most importantly you know for the people that shared it and um you know, people who took the time to listen to. Yeah, I mean, it's um, something that I, I felt both of us felt very strongly about uh, starting the show uh, with that. And uh, Nate and Andrew, I think, were uh, just fantastic on that show. So that's from Monday's episode of Rewind to Raw. We have a lot of shows coming up in the uh, next couple of days. We'll have uh, an interview with Mike Bond of MMA Junkie on Thursday. Friday, we've got Rewind, a SmackDown Live. 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time, right after SmackDown. Way and I will be taking your phone calls, uh, maybe even preview a bit of In Your House on Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, I wanted to let everybody know that our friends at Up Next, which you can, of course, listen to their review of tonight's NXT on their feed right now. But if you wanted to do a uh, check out a watch along while you're watching uh, NXT In Your House this Sunday, our friends at Up Next will be doing that on their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash UPNXT. They'll be watching along with the show live. Maybe I'll even join them. Or like I'll watch. I don't know, I, I don't know how they do it. I, I don't know how they do a live commentary track and then do a review of the show. I would not have that endurance. We'll, There's no way. We'll find out. Okay, well, Braden and Davey will be in their house chatting in your house. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Uh, so that's on Sunday. Also, Sunday, very big day. We've also got um, Way and Pauline reviewing the second to last episode of Total Bellas, which is really the episode I've been waiting for the most. I don't care about the season finale. I care about episode 10. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I, there, you know, there's been some confusion. I don't know if there is an actual episode 11 or not, but we will be oh. talking about episodes 9 and 10. And we shall see if there's an episode 11. But certainly episode 10 will be a big one because... It's probably going to end with a big proposal. Will it be at a? Will it be in a WrestleMania tag match? Though, no, it won't. Okay. Uh, will she say I yes? Know, I don't know. You would think that after such an event like that, you would be opposed to televised proposals, but we'll see. <laughs> Maybe um, she she better just tell Artem, given um. Oh wait, he he's a dancer, right? Not a. I, I'm thinking of a. He he wasn't an ice skater, right? He's a dancer. Dancer, yeah, dancer. Okay, with the I was star. I was gonna make a thin ice joke, but then I remembered he's not a skater. He's a dancer. So never mind. This is uh, I'm clearly showing my lack of uh, total Bella's knowledge. It's all good. Uh, You're gonna read the book with me, and we're gonna get caught up. You'll you'll be you'll be very you'll be an expert by the end of the month. Yeah, me and Wei may have. Uh, Unintentionally agreed to a book club during Tuesday's Ask Away. Mm-hmm. And then finally on Sunday, WH Park's new series, The Long and Winding Royal Road, will be kicking off with the history of the Triple Crown. Uh, he's going to be joined by uh, Joseph Monticello. He's going to be joining WH to chat about the history of the Triple Crown. This is a new monthly series that WH will be doing, looking at the history of all Japan throughout the decade of the 90s. And should be a really fun show. And... That's all coming up Sunday. So a big weekend at postwrestling.com. As always. As always. So yeah, let's uh let's let's get right into it. Yes, let's get right into it in 
the form of a t-shirt giveaway. Oh, damn. Yes, you're right. I uh that's exactly what I meant. I got the bag. Well, open. you you meant you meant like you were walking around shirtless and you saw one of our new post wrestling shirts, maybe a post pro res shirt, maybe a Rocky Maivia picture show shirt, and you said, "Let's get into it." Um, uh, yeah. They, 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 one of our cafe members can get into it because this shirt is coming for you, a hundred percent cotton. Uh, sure. Yeah, I can't not. I can't necessarily confirm the the materials. Um, okay, it might sure. be polyester. It might be uh, a tight metallic shirt that Matt Hardy wore on the May twenty first two thousand one episode of Raw. I don't know the material, but it's great. It's a very comfortable shirt. Yeah, it's it's your it's whatever fabric you most prefer. That's what it is. Yeah. So if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, guess what? Your name may be called momentarily. Your phone isn't going to ring, but this is better than winning a house. It's winning a shirt to put in your house. So way, let us get the drum roll going. And the winner of the prestigious post-wrestling shirt of your choosing, it's going to the person who has had a deep desire to win this shirt for weeks, if not months. Con- congratulations to Matthew Arts. I, I knew it. He yeah. was my pick. Matthew Arts. Matthew Arts out of Australia, I believe. Mix Ooh. Matthew Arts is what I'm going to call you. Congratulations. Mix Matthew Arts. Wow. <laughs> Mixed Matthew Arts. What what's gone into you this week? I've I've clearly hit my threshold. You're on a roll, dude. No, I've clearly like, th- hit my. I, I don't give a shit about the the schedule. Cody's about to go on with this open challenge. I think the real streak is Wei Ting here. I mm. mean, you're. I'm 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 putting my hands up. I give up. I can't keep up with you. I, I, I think it's it's absolutely clear who I've spent the most time with talking to on a nightly basis for the past ten years. Yeah. I was struggling tonight because I was really trying to get some kind of coherent show title that would incorporate Welcome to the Jungle with Guns and Roads. It just I spent like five minutes and I was like, I can't do it. I just mm, can't. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I might come to you throughout the Well then I, I saw Dustin out there and I saw Billy Gunn. And I'm like, there's if they ever face off, we've got our show title. Absolutely. Save that one. Okay. News, because they're not here for the opening five minutes. They're here for the the closing hundred. So AEW Fighter Fest was announced on Wednesday's episode. We are going to get a two-night, too-big-for-just-one-night event of Fighter Fest. It's not going to be on pay-per-view. Instead, it will air July 1st and July 8th free on TNT. I'm semi-surprised that they are going this direction, making it free on television as opposed, I I think that coming off that number for double or nothing, uh, this would have been one to go the pay per view route again. It's clearly something that I I would assume that they were uh, undecided with up, up until this week. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think that you would have had a full announcement. Uh, there seemed to be no indication last week that this would be a multi night event, and you have to imagine that they were considering a number of options, including putting it on pay per view, maybe putting it on uh, semi free service like we had last year um if you remember what was it like you sign up for a thing and you get to watch it for free or or what do you remember was it beer live yeah i to be honest fighter fest was the one that i remember i missed it last year and you did that review so i didn't even have to sign up for anything to to watch it i can't remember what the uh setup was but yeah i think i think it was like you sign up for br live and then 
you didn't have to pay for it as I, I think that's that it, that's how it was uh, people don't bother correcting us we'll find out off air so you, you, we don't need to oh please you don't have to please tell us. anyway I, I need to know how i didn't order this last year please tell me um yeah but you know this seems to be i i guess uh, uh, the next best option because those ones maybe they don't don't have as many benefits attached to them and you know we're talking about right now i think a tv show with many months to go before their next pay-per-view that needs any hook imaginable that they can do and uh two not just one but two pay-per-view themed shows um will probably do quite well for them i you would think so that's the latest on on Fighter Fest, and we'll get into the matches that they've confirmed. Well, I mean, the matches we knew already prior to tonight's episode with John Moxley, Brian Cage, and Omega and Page against the Best Friends. Those are the only two official matches uh, so far. Uh, now, as it relates to Florida, uh, there was kind of a, a mixture of news regarding um, how the state is dealing with the uh, coronavirus. They reported um, their biggest spike in cases on Wednesday uh, since April 17th. They had 1,317 new cases. Now, it is kind of, uh, to clarify, they're also testing a lot more. So some people believe that that, you know, is going to inherently uh, grow the number of cases. Uh, But that said, the state, at least in 64 of its 67 counties, are moving into phase two of their reopening process. And what this allows is uh, bars and certain places like movie theaters, bowling alleys, if the street profits and Viking Raiders want to have a big party uh, and entertainment venues uh, can operate at 50% capacity. And I would think entertainment venues that would extend to a place like a daily's place, for instance. So, at 50% capacity, it's not out of the realm of possibility that WWE and AEW could have some fans if this, uh, if these entertainment values would include Daly's Place, the Performance Center, or Full Sail University. You would think so, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, if anything, with, you know, uh, combat sports already having events, you would think that that would put them closer to, like, the line of who gets to open up doors sooner it would see it would seem like and if you're talking like SummerSlam, i could definitely see SummerSlam in florida and by august um they may be able to open even more so like i think SummerSlam with fans may be a realistic possibility and i guess now it's going to i'm more curious in what aew's approach is like they have they have put um people in the crowds a lot more than wwe has but uh i think wwe is going to be well, it's going to be interesting to see see both companies and and how they if they have the option of having a certain amount of fans, how aggressive will they be? Are they just going to completely open their doors uh, and and allow the limit that they're allowed? Are they going to be cautious? Um, it seems that the the door is creeping open now, where this could be a, a possibility in the next little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and certainly I think as the weeks progress, it you know. Um... Due to whatever circumstances, people are taking more and more risk as it relates to COVID, and we await to see the results of of uh, everything that's taken place so far. And if the results except are, except the results of WWE's non-existent COVID nineteen testing, except those results, sure. Um, you know, if at the end of, of of all this, it's like a minimal difference. I I I guess it just 
you know, increases the comfort of everybody to just be able to take part in things like this again. And as we kind of talked about yesterday on, on Ask Away, like in a month time, so much can change. You know, I, I didn't think a month ago I would be like to thinking about this conversation, but um, at like this this early. Uh, but here we are. What's your what's your prediction that uh, come next uh, next WrestleMania? At uh, in L.A., that's where it is. What what do you think Re- WrestleMania is looking like at, at this point, <laughs> this far out? Jeez, uh, if it's in L.A., I mean, at at, at this rate, um, I think I could see it happening. I can certainly see it happening. Not, not necessarily at full capacity, but but then then again, I don't know. I, I it's 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 tough for me to predict about. You know, it's so much of this. I think the NFL is really going to dictate it. Like if, if we're talking like the NFL opens and they're just filling these stadiums, like I, I think the NFL is really going to dictate things for how everyone else is going to respond when it comes to big stadium events. Yeah, sure. Uh, now, uh, in the same vein, Bushi Road has announced that Stardom and New Japan are going to start to uh, resume shows. They put out a statement that... Um, Bushi Road has canceled and postponed many events from February in consideration of the situation of new coronavirus infection. With the cancellation of the emergency declaration, we have decided to restart live events such as pro wrestling, stage performances, and live music performances, and have decided to carry out antibody tests for all athletes and performers for safety and security. For all live events such as New Japan performances, stardom, theatrical group uh, performances, um... And Bushi Road Music Live performances, a doctor will perform an antibody test in advance for all players and performers, as well as staff members who are closely related. Right. Okay. So antibody tests are basically tests done to see if you had COVID-19. If you had it, not if you have the active virus. So that's, I mean, it is a test. I'm surprised it is not more thorough than that, but it is a test. And I guess they feel that. They're at a comfort level that just being able to do like this. They don't say anything here about fans either. I'm assuming this is going to be strictly empty arena shows. So, I mean, it's it's pretty much just they're going to be following suit with what we've been seeing here in the U.S. Numbers are very different, though, in Japan. Yes. In yeah, um, they are different. Um, just it does seem, though, like uh, somewhat uh, for, for New Japan, at least. I mean, they had. They did have that Harold May statement about once the state of emergency was lifted and certain other conditions were uh, met, that then they would start to examine empty arena shows. It seems that Bushi Road is at that point. And the next question would be, uh, when what what is the timetable on this? How fast does New Japan look to um, put this into action? I mean, will they be holding shows by by July? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in time for... You know, do you still go with your old calendar? Do you still like, you know, call a show Dominion or do you, um, yeah, you would still go with the G1, I would assume. But I mean, at that point, they would have to rejig, you know, everything else, like best of the super juniors, what they attempt. And yeah, I mean, you had this whole summer pretty much blocked off because, you know, you weren't going to be running the G1 this summer. It's, you know, you could do the idea of um, best of the super juniors and it's just going to be Japanese talent. I don't know how this is going to impact, you know, foreigners coming in. I would think that that's, that would still be 
somewhat difficult to to pull off. Like the all Japan is not expecting the champion carnival to have foreigners in it, but um, yeah. So it seems like new Japan is at least at the stage now where they are ready to move forward with shows. Then we have um, this video that ended impact wrestling on Tuesday night. This was probably the most newsworthy thing to come out of impact in quite some time. There's a mysterious figure that sits in front of a television screen as he's having a drink and the newscaster is recapping the WWE releases from April with a big sign that reads, you're fired. And then we get into a uh, just uh, a slew of images of former WWE talent. And this included, we had EC3 in here, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, uh, Mike and Maria. There was uh, the Bulgarian flag was represented. Uh, Kurt Hawkins was in there. And Drake Maverick, uh, which does not seem to be uh, indicative of anything related to Impact Wrestling, as we'll get into with with his uh, treatment on NXT tonight. But yeah, this at the end, it's just plugging Slammiversary, which interestingly enough will be done on a Saturday night. They're going to move their pay-per-view from Sunday nights uh, for July 18th. And I guess the tease is um, at least some of these performers, if not all but Drake Maverick, would be uh, coming in. I thought it was a really well done little video and certainly seeing the results, it was a great way for, uh, you know, to get people talking about impact and to let people know about this pay-per-view that's coming up for them. So I thought it was like a really smart thing. Now, I, I, I think the expectation that it sets is, is, you know, something that they definitely have to meet. I personally, while watching it, didn't necessarily expect every single one of those people to be signed to impact wrestling. Um, I, I mean, it, it's that's essentially like I would say maybe the the highest tier of of the released names with the WWE in my opinion, um, with a few missing of course, but um, I I I just couldn't necessarily see every single one of those people showing up on that show. I really do feel like it was maybe more so to you know let the audience guess who among the group might be showing up. Yeah, I would say that. You know, unless they have like a re- like an ace up their sleeve, but I mean, they tease the biggest name, and that would be Rusev. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. who would be bigger than Rusev that you could tease? So I think that you almost have to deliver on that one, and the rest is kind of gravy. But I mean, it's it, I think it's somewhat something interesting. I mean, to I will say, like after this aired, it was somewhat uh, indicative to me of how many people are watching Impact Live because I saw very little discussion about this after impact last night. I mean, you saw a bit more today. Um, and I, and I guess it's just like, that's kind of the level of buzz impacts going to get. It was, it was something. And I, I think that this is, you know, as, as big a hook as impact has right now to tease some new blood coming in. Are they going to do some kind of invasion angle? What are they going to do? Um, impact could certainly use that to get some eyes on their product right now that, you know, is, it is a very good product. It's one that just gets somewhat lost in the shuffle. So this is an attempt to, I guess, just create a spotlight for themselves. Do you like a Saturday night pay-per-view slot for impact? Uh, does it matter? doesn't matter so much for me. I mean, I like Saturdays um, because you can sleep in the, the next day. So I personally enjoy it. Uh, but I, I think we'll see, you know, like, like this Sunday. I don't think it personally matters that much to me. Uh, but as far as, you know, the importance of like these shows, you know, these jumping on points are always incredibly important for a company like Impact. And 
you know, coming off of the, the Tessa Blanchard stuff last time, that that has definitely like it, what what felt like was like you know a, a like sort of like a momentum building period for Impact was definitely derailed, and I would say coronavirus, you know, on top of that, pretty much like it feels like almost they're starting from from scratch again. Um, so they kind of have to make a big move, I would say. Do you think that the the big success of UFC and what Double or Nothing just did, that that might have influenced their thinking to run Saturday, that maybe mm. that's a better night to draw from uh, fans that are, you know, hungry for sports content and maybe is a more desirable night than a Sunday? Um, I I don't, not not for me, John. Like, if a UFC took place or if an AEW Double or Nothing took place on a Sunday, do you feel like it would have done differently? Um, ultimately, no. I mean, UFC is so ingrained on Saturday nights, and I guess AEW is to a degree. I think AEW would have done the same business on Sunday night if, uh, as Saturday night. I think that show had a lot of interest, uh, especially in the 24 hours leading into it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think the night made a big difference. But, I mean, for Impact, I I mean, you're, you're doing small business on pay-per-view. I think that's when you do try experiments like this. Like, hey, let's let's see. Maybe Saturday is a more advantageous night for us and maybe it's just a one-time thing they do saturday they go to sunday another time i mean typically sunday is wrestling pay-per-view night and AEW is kind of re-educating people to that Mm -hmm. so uh yeah and just on the drake maverick front uh tonight's nxt does end with drake maverick losing to el hijo del fantasma but then uncle paul comes out and he has a contract for drake maverick for the NXT brand. Okay. Awesome. Um, a little bit of late breaking news. Uh, Andrew Thompson just informed me that AEW announced that Arn Anderson signed a multi-year deal. Oh, okay. So they have locked in Arn Anderson then. Yeah. Maybe it was, uh, it was that face to face with Jake. They were like, you know what? Let's lock this guy in. So there you go. Arn Anderson signing a, uh, long-term deal with AEW. Uh, so you can find uh, more of that on the site. And last bit of news item, uh, last news item here is just uh, looking at Raw. Uh, they did 1,728,000 viewers. It was almost identical to last week, and uh, they really fell in the third hour. But uh, unlike most weeks where Raw is near the top of the cable charts, uh, Monday night obviously was just dominated by cable news. So Raw was way down um, the the cable viewership in the main demo, which I mean, when you look at the fact that they maintain the same audience as, as last week, given all of the interest in what's going on in the world, I, I guess you take that as a small victory for raw that they at least stayed flat, even though, I mean, it is still a very low number in Raw's history. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought it was such a bad show. So, <laughs> Well, most uh, agreed with you by the third hour because the you know the first two hours were pretty consistent, and then they had uh, a fairly big drop. To the third hour was the second lowest hour in the history of Raw, so mm-hmm. that was the third hour interest. And a uh, quick note on SmackDown because we did talk about this on Monday. Uh, Dave Meltzer had this clarification that the the final SmackDown number that got reported was 2,170,000 viewers. But what they did was they did take certain Fox affiliates that were covering the protests on Friday and not 
carrying SmackDown. So the actual SmackDown number was almost equal to the week prior, 2,054,000 viewers. So uh, it wasn't really a case that the Jeff Hardy thing spiked numbers uh, any any higher. It was more so SmackDown mm-hmm. was about equal to uh, the week prior, which again, there's like, there's a lot of focus um, on real world events at, at the moment and following the news with all of the protests that are going on that, um, at least WWE can say that for Raw and SmackDown, their viewership, it didn't get um, diminished from the week prior. They stayed flat. And I guess that would be, um, I, I guess, good enough for them this week. I got to know. Got to know who did that to Elias. Well, that's the, the big tease for Friday is Jeff Hardy is going to tell all. Oh, okay. He's going to tell all. Let's move on to uh, Dynamite and... Um, Tonight's show taped last week from Daly's Place, and we started things off with a video um, for Black Lives Matter and stating your voices, your ideas, your dreams matter. We see you, we hear you, and we stand with you. And this, I mean, by this point, pretty much, you know, WWE has, you know, made their statements. Impact had a statement, dedicated their show to uh, George Floyd, and also uh, they refrained from any social media activity during impact, they said out of um, out of respect, and then we had uh, AEW kicking their show off this week. How would you think, um, as an overall sense, um, because this is something a lot of sports leagues and individuals have, have faced, like how they have addressed it? How would you feel the wrestling companies have responded? Um, I thought AEW did really like it was really nice to see AEW here i mean for me specifically i i it doesn't surprise me when companies are making statements now i think it's you know at this point seeing perhaps the the level of, of uh specificity put into mm-hmm. the statements about exactly the what, language how they yeah. feel and specifically i think you know the mention of the term black black lives matter itself which i don't believe wwe included i haven't seen the other ones from uh impact or other companies, but AEW specifically did here. Uh, and I, I thought that, you know, directly draws that line, you know, to tell you this is how we feel and you need to make a strong statement now. Yeah. Um, impacts here. They just, uh, they dedicated the episode and then said impact wrestling stands against racism and violence in support of diversity and inclusion for everyone. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Floyd family and all who have endured social injustice. Um, I was somewhat surprised at um, how much they covered it on WWE backstage this week. They had a panel chat with with Punk, with Booker T, Mark Henry, and Renee Young. And, I mean, it wasn't a huge portion of the show, but it was, you know, a, a pretty passionate speech from CM Punk and then also Mark Henry, who um, took part in some of the protests and Booker T weighing in as well. And it's, you know, it seems uh, – certainly it was um, – much more prevalent on that show than Raw, which did not have anything this week. Right, right. A discussion show like that, I, you know, it seems like it's a much better forum than, I guess, a fictitious wrestling show that was pre-taped, was it not, this week? Which? This Monday? Uh, Raw was, yeah, Raw, Raw was taped last week. So really, all all you would have, you could have expected would have been something off at the top, likely. Right, right, or uh, they could have inserted something if they if they had, mm. I guess, chosen to. But I mean, AEW um, was pre-taped today too, so that's right. And uh, they had the start, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, with like any sort of show, it's 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 hard to have any sort of like you know jump into a fictitious world of pro wrestling without actually talking about these real, real world events. And I, I think you know they they have had a unique opportunity to show the wrestling audience what some of their performers specific like you know had to say about it and sharing their experiences. Which I haven't seen the show yet, but it sounded like it was an important discussion. All right, uh, on to the the rest of the episode. So after the opening. They showcased uh, Britt Baker, and this week she was in this this truck called the Rolls Royce. Yes, R O L E. Yes, yes. I'm wondering what, how many of these she can get by because she had from the role model, which she's sticking with, then the Rolls Royce. It's like, wow, this is this is the new long term storyline I'm invested in. Uh, like the streak of puns. Yeah, I mean, she's hit him out of the park two weeks in a row. We wait. So, I, I I think it's been one of the best things on this show. What if What if AEW spends the big bucks and they license a uh, two thousand one classic, Roland? <laughs> uh, she rolls out. Yeah, you spell yeah. it differently. R O L. Oh, you, you've got to. Yeah. Huh. Keep. Yeah. It all goes Vicky, back to Limp Biscuit. That's it. Vicky Guerrero was uh, s- spotted in the audience wearing her inner circle shirt. And then we kick things off with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian for the AEW tag titles. Um, this uh, They did mention in the commentary they were still promoting Fighter Fest as later this summer. And it was just the, the graphics that had the specific dates, which we would uh, get to. Um, we saw the best friends kind of scouting. And then... The most socially distant tag team, FTR, was off by themselves in in seats way in the back. Uh, clearly, they're they're taking this thing seriously. Yeah, I mean, they could have maybe been a seat or two apart from one another, but nonetheless, they oh, were away from on. They're from driving the crowd. the car together. They probably live together at this point. I guess at this point, yes. Um, uh, Penelope Ford goes for the Rana off the top, and Paige blocks her, but then looks at Rick Knox and is like, what should I do? What 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 do I have to do right here? He did not want to break any mm-hmm. rules, have any infractions, so he just dropped her down, and she gets ejected. I thought it was a funny spot. It was funny. You know, Shivani, I thought it was pretty notable when he said that he thinks that Paige and the Bucks, them not getting along, is something that seems to be water under the bridge, which... You know, I think begs the question, and I would assume that this this would be the case. Have they dropped the idea of Paige turning heel completely? I think it's probably on the back burner, and it's not a story they're focusing on, but one that I could see them revisit it at a at a time later, and then we can always reference, you know, this this period that they they did have these problems with one another. But it, I mean, there's certainly no hints of it now that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going that direction. And with the, the insertion of FTR now, I think maybe, you know, you want to keep these guys with the tag titles and they're, they're more valuable in this tag division right now than than splitting them up. I had certainly wondered, you know, what this layoff would have done for Paige because he was uh, like seemingly sequestered in his part of the world while, you know, these tapings were going on. But seeing him on this show, seeing him, of course, in Stadium Stampede, he still really feels like one of the hottest things in this company. So I think... Um, They'd be foolish to, you know, consider turning him heel right now. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't keep a bit of of that kind of loner mystique that, you know, he kind of developed, which is still seemingly apparent. So Jimmy Havoc grabs a wrench and takes out both Paige and Omega. 
and they're double teaming Page. Omega is still down. He's out from this wrench attack. Jim Ross is saying, look at Havoc's haircut. Shivani says his haircut. Look at the marks on his head from all the damage he's put himself through. Omega eventually gets the hot tag. He is going nuts here. Ron is to both. He does the you can't escape into a backstabber on Kip Sabian, who is seated on the second turnbuckle. Um, uh, Page comes in and they hit a Kotaro Crusher into Page's shooting star. Then Havoc gets a hacksaw and not Jim Duggan and gets stopped by Page. And then with Page seated in the corner, they... They put Omega up on the shoulders with a DVD onto Page, the identical spot that injured Britt Baker. This one went off much better. And from there, the we The size had, of the opponents were much more favorable. Uh, yes, and was dropped more, uh, I guess, away from the knee. So that was good. Havoc hit uh, Sing the Sorrow, which is his elevated DDT. Page makes a save, and then it's Omega with the Snapdragon, a V-Trigger, and... They hit the last call, which is the V-Trigger Buckshot Lariat combo onto Jimmy Havoc for the win in 13-38. Really strong tag match, I thought. Yeah, especially those last several minutes. I thought they were awesome. You know, really good match. Really good to see Paige back. I think he's been sorely missed. Kenny has, like, you know, had some really fun tag team combinations, but Paige and Omega are, like, a pay-per-view level tag team. They're the team that you would pay to watch to see. They they are something special, and they I didn't think they missed a beat here. I, I thought Havoc and Sabian did really well these past couple weeks. It's been good exposure for them, uh, for their in-ring abilities, you know. I, I did, however, find myself pretty disengaged for much of the match here when they had control, and I think a b- big part of that is because I just, I simply don't care too much about their characters or their, or their pers- personalities just yet. You know, the whole thing is like, I think Havoc's trying really hard to get over the, like, the fact that he's a madman who uses ridiculous weapons. Uh, but at this point, it just seems more kind of slapsticky, you know, kind of more just look how crazy I am. I got a hacksaw rather than like, you know, any sort of like uh, maybe real insight into the character behind the guy. And and I think like the Penelope Ford valet like interfering stuff to me is, is a bit of a tired cliche. But in ring, I think I think they're great. It's just the out of ring stuff I really want to see get some attention. Yeah, to me, it's with, with Jimmy Havoc. I, I mean, just compare the the depth of a Darby Allen versus. Jimmy Havoc, who just seems to be, I mean, has no depth to me on this show. I mean, you can't really, like, there's been no kind of out of the ring stuff to um, showcase this character other than the guy's nuts. Um, yeah. And that that's about it. I think that they're, yeah, just not a team that to me has really um, gone beyond just kind of like a surface level team who are fine. They were fine for this TV match. Yeah. But that's... Um, that, that you, you do kind of see their ceiling right now in this loaded tag division. Mm-hmm. We had only a brief clip of Tully's awesome promo. Please tell me, Way, that you sought this thing out after I raved about it. Did you see the full promo? Yes, I did. Yes, it was Tully Blanchard screaming passionately about Sean Spear, about him turning on uh, AEW Double or Nothing with his friends, getting ready to watch Sean Spear's match with Dustin Rhodes. And then seeing his face on the man's crotch as he he embarrasses himself. Uh, it was a very passionate, very, you know, angry Tully. It was not it was lovely to see him fired up. So Tully gets into the backseat of a vehicle where Sean Spears is. Tully explains that the search for the tag team, that stuff's over with. I have found the missing piece. And he opens a case. 
and Spears takes out a fingerless leather glove. And he puts the glove on. And Jim Ross says that a lot of dangerous men have used the glove. And they did not mention uh, the likes of uh, Blackjack Mulligan or Barry Windham. But um, that was the idea here. Um, I I don't know uh, if this would necessarily translate um, if you were not following uh, pro wrestling of 40 years ago. But nonetheless, this was a... this was the answer that he's been searching. Like not all these hag partners. He's been missing a glove. So I needed you to fill me in, John, on, on the significance. But like, what was, was did Tully have any um, like connection? I mean, like Barry Windham was obviously a big rival. Um, you know, Blackjack Mulligan. You know, from the, the like the mid Atlantic days. Uh, Ted DiBiase had the glove as well. Like it has a. I guess significance from like a bygone era, but was I don't. It, was know. it the glove or was it like, like did did DB was DiBiase connected to to like the uh, Wyndham and? Well, I mean Mulligan and Wyndham have obviously like the the family connection, but it would be um, Blanchard is not really. Like, was this glove uh, like an actual? You know, I I don't think it would be their personal glove that's been handed down. Well, what from... I mean is like, it, it, was it was it like? Is it... I guess it is symbolic, but is it anyway? I I, I suppose they, we shall see, right? I think they could have done a better job trying to get this across because I think to ninety percent of the people watching this, it's okay. You've got a leather glove, <laughs> and um, that's the answer. That's that's the answer to all of Sean Spears' problems. Brian Cage uh, destroyed Sean Dean. In a minute 35 with uh, the buckle bomb, which is allowed in AEW, and the drill claw. Because that move is banned now in the WWE. It's gone. No more buckle bombs. And right. I can't say I'm upset it's gone. I don't I don't think this drill claw would have been allowed in the WWE either. Well, you you will get some performers that will argue that it's it's not the move that's dangerous. It's the people that are dangerous. And I, right. you know, not being a worker, I will defer to them. But that's... Um, yeah, uh, the buckle bomb, it's like the the criticism has always been it's like you aren't really in control of like you're not seeing where you, where you're hitting. So it's very hard to be in control of that. And there's like a certain level of danger that's required when you can't see where you're going as opposed to a move that you can have control over. Like, um, but nonetheless, yeah, this is uh, I, I'm not I'm not upset either. There are a lot of wrestling moves. I, I can do without one or two. It's fine. So Brian Cage wins. Taz cuts a promo, r- staring right into the camera, saying that last week Moxley had the audacity to laugh and snicker when he said that Cage would beat the shit out of him. This is not a joke to them. This is serious. Get your head on right or it's going to get taken off. So Moxley comes out. Taz tells him to think before you enter this ring because if you step into this ring with that title on the line, or sorry, Moxley says, when I step into this ring with my title on the line, it is the farthest thing from a game. He's been impressed with Cage, and he can he can fight him all night long. Moxley is a different thing entirely. Cage is going to find out that he's in over his head at Fighter Fest, and you're swimming with a different breed of shark. And remember who you're talking about when you bring my name up on TV. And out leaves Moxley. That's our main event for Fighter Fest. Which just is a, a month away. Of, yeah, and just a bit of general trash talk. I mean, uh, I think Boxley, we know what he's capable of here. I didn't necessarily think this was like 
an attempt to be his best promo or anything, really just more so to have his presence out there. Um, but Taz, I, I, I still think it's like, it's so great that we're getting FTW Taz. This isn't Joey numbers Taz, you know, <laughs> this is Taz like from ECW cutting promos, like, you know, the type of Taz is that's going to kill you. And he brings that same attitude, that same meanness here, except he's cutting promos now on the current generation of wrestlers. And it's, it, he said it great here. It makes Brian Cage not just look, but sound like a top tier act. Yeah, I mean, FTW Taz, tough enough Taz. This is the manager you want. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was that line he had on tough enough? If if you don't believe in God, start. Wow. Okay. Uh, Marvez is out in some random site with Lance Archer destroying some masked individual while Jake is trying to restrain him. And Lance cuts a promo about losing to Cody and something about spot monkeys. And Jake apologized to Alex Marvez as Lance Archer is off to uh, create destruction. He's going to break more toilets, maybe? No toilet will be safe. Lance <laughs> Archer. Every toilet dies. <laughs> um. This, this promo kind of went down the toilet, I thought. It was okay. It was okay. I mean, um, I guess coming off of the Cody loss, they're they're just waiting for the next thing for him. Yeah, he's just about town, just attacking people. Private Party are hanging out when Matt Hardy, 1998 version, walks in. And he's here to check on Mark Quinn's knee. He's fine. He's not going to miss any time. Matt says, I enjoyed our match last week. You are the future of tag wrestling. And he starts comparing them to the Hardys. And these two act like the biggest super fans you've ever seen. They're going nuts. They're doing their Hardy impressions. Matt is somehow just keeping a smile on his face and not just laughing at these two. And Isaiah Cassidy suggests the three of them become the Hardy party. The Hardy party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's like, yeah, cool. So then Matt leaves. He sees Sammy Guevara and says, hey, we're good. Respect. And Sammy looks confused. And that was that was our segment here to um, either set up some kind of a, a allegiance here, but to me, ultimately, Matt turning on these two because that's the only way I can see this ending with Matt on private party. Really? Oh yeah, I thought they were so annoying here that what? Matt would have to. Oh, they were. I, I thought just a little bit too much here. I I, I enjoy the interaction. You know, this was like. It's 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 the past kind of fanboying over sorry the present fanboying over like the, these legends and you have you know like an up and coming tag team in private party essentially like paying respect to like you know one of the the best tag teams of, of all time in the Hardy Boys and Matt Hardy here and I thought it was interesting how it was like Matt Hardy from Team Extreme being represented rather than like Broken Matt Hardy because I guess this whole like fanboying stuff wouldn't wor- have worked as well talking to Damascus. Um, <laughs> And you had, you know, Matt Hardy give his endorsement here and probably, you know, the start of a, a what is it, a, a, a triple trio, a trio. So mm-hmm. it just it, it just continues like Matt Hardy's full integration into the AEW universe. And it, to me, it was like a great bit of spotlight on Private Party. Honestly, it's not a combination I would have predicted Matt Hardy with Private Party, but I think it'll work. We just need to find a bridge between Damascus and... Matt Hardy, like, from the mid-90s. Well, yeah. V1, he's done. Um, 
What did he do after that? <laughs> Can he just dress like he probably dressed like coming to the arena today? Did he have to put on like the Hot Topic outfit? I mean, that's not a vessel, though. You know, that's not a known vessel. You know what I mean? What What, what did he do after version one? Uh, he he. Oh, remember, he had his. Uh, well, that was then the whole uh, Edge feud was a uh, that that followed uh, V one. <laughs> Heartbroken Matt Hardy. Yeah. Heart, heartbroken. Heart, yeah. Heartbroken Matt Hardy. Yeah. Heartbroken That's Matt. from above uh, Matt Hardy. Emo Matt. Yeah. Um, what well. was his, uh, what was his thing? Matt Hardy will not die. That was his oh, little, okay. uh, thing. Yeah. So that's the type of like Matt Hardy that get that like, um, like will go after anybody with like a girlfriend. Is that type? Uh, opposite. It would, it would be, you know, he was one that lost the girlfriend. Right, right. He's, not, he's okay. not going after the girlfriend. And then, like, what what happened? Like, you could, because no one will ever recognize like ECW Matt Hardy or <laughs> TNA Matt Hardy or ROH. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't like. I don't. If he transformed to those vessels, I don't know how how big of a reaction they would get. Uh, this is where they announced Fighter Fest for July first and eighth on TNT with all the titles on the line. Okay. They did uh, several recaps of the Tyson angle, so they put a lot of attention on that. And then from last week, they showed footage from backstage where Jericho was yelling at Colt Cabana and blaming him for getting in my way to get at Tyson. So that set up Chris Jericho and Colt Cabana, who had their first match ever. Kind of pretty remarkable when you consider Cabana's been wrestling for over 21 years. Jericho's been wrestling for 30, and this is their first match ever. It does feel like a bit of a surprise, but, you know, when you really think about their careers, there really would have been no way for them to cross their path. I mean, unless you count, like, the brief time Cabana was was in WWE, but they were such different levels. Um, And more importantly, John, I felt this was a battle of perhaps the two most prominent wrestler podcasters. That is right. Uh... The Art of Jericho. Yeah. Uh, Jericho comes out with Sammy Guevara singing his song out of sync, mumbling at the lyrics. Like, just, it was really impressive how great he was at being awful at this. Um, Like, the goal was to be awful. Yeah. And he did oh, it great. tremendously well. He was hilarious. I mean, have you ever heard, like, uh, like actual musicians sing without like a monitor or like perhaps they're lip syncing. And then instead it's like their mics are actually on like anyway, <laughs> it just, it reminded me of like, you remember Enrique Iglesias? Yes. So, <laughs> so he was just like, I guess doing a sound check one time and he was just like <laughs> goofing around and you know, his song, like the rhythm divine. Yes. <laughs> so he just decides to like, you know, fuck around and just like sing really poorly and just like <laughs> go like he went nuts. And somebody, I guess, doing the sound check recorded this. Oh. And somehow <laughs> Howard Stern got a copy of it. Dude, and- Ed- Edge-, Edge 102 got this with, I- I'm pretty sure that's the station, had a similar thing. I can't remember the artist, but oh, yeah. So Stern played this. Oh, like nonstop, like for months he played this. 
<laughs> to the point where Enrique Iglesias felt the need to go onto the show to prove that he could <laughs> sing it for real. Anyway, it's it's great. I, yeah. I I I encourage everybody to find it if it's still out there. So Jericho is unloading with punches, I guess showing off his boxing game here. Uh, Jake Hager stares down Cabana, and then there's an acai moonsault by Colt onto both Jericho and Hager, and he's bleeding from the mouth. They go through the break. Jericho's in control. Cabana hits the bionic elbow, the flying apple, and a splash. Jericho misses a lion salt, and then he psychs out Cabana, who goes for the Superman cover, but Jericho has telegraphed it, and he counters it into the walls, only to get a rope break. Uh, Cabana then hits a top rope Frankensteiner and then out of the corner, he spins around into the Judas effect. They say he got too fancy, got caught with the Judas effect and Jericho wins the match. I thought it was a good match, you know, different from your certainly like usual high flying AEW style. But I think for many fans of AEW's particular audience, this was like a low key dream match between like two longtime personalities who have never met before. And I thought they both packed as much as of their repertoire as they could at this point in their careers in into these, what, eight minutes? How long was this match? Uh, with, with the commercial, it was almost 10. Okay. Yeah. I I, I was satisfied. I liked it. I, I really liked it. The, the ending sequence was really cool, too, mm. with the like the fake out to set up the Superman reversal. And then the just a simple way. I really like the, the different variations of like how Jericho hits the Judas effect. Like yeah. it's a... Yeah, very much kind of like the diamond cutter where it's just just comes out of nowhere and has multiple different ways that it just it hits. And it's probably the most protected finish in AEW. Uh, one wing angel, too. You throw yeah. There, but, yeah. Those would be the two. But um, what is it? You know, certainly like if, if you're talking about like out of nowhere finishers, I'm sure he much prefers doing this at his age compared to the code breaker. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, Jericho tells them to shut their ass and says the same thing is going to happen to Mike Tyson, that piece of shit. And he called last week's angle the most talked about event in sports history. It's the fight everyone wants to see. And he wants to taste the blood of Mike Tyson when he shoves his head straight up his ass. Yeah. Where would he? That's gross. That's really gross. Shoving anything up up any ass, like and, and the threat of doing it um... until he bleeds and tasting um, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what he said. Those were the words. He says, "I want to challenge you right now. I'm not waiting to the next pay per view. I want the baddest man on the planet." So out comes. Orange Cassidy, and he comes into the ring, puts Jericho's hands under his belt. Hager then goes for him. They both take their turns. They miss Cassidy, who evades both of them and goes to the floor and is lifted over the guardrail by the best friends as the inner circle runs out. I don't know for sure if this is happening, but I feel we're getting Jericho and Orange Cassidy at Fighter Fest, and I think it's going to be phenomenal. Oh, for sure, it's happening. That's that. It's got to be. Teasing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I I think so. I think it's a good program for Fighter Fest. You know, I, I. It's not necessarily like the type of marquee match I I think people would pay for. There, people might pay for Jericho. People will pay for Jericho versus Tyson, but something like Orange Cassidy versus Jericho, it's. Um, I think it's really good, especially if it's a TV main event type of thing. 
Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that's that's a really intriguing match. Might not um, be a main event, I don't think, but you know, second to last or something like that, something on the card. Yeah, if you've got both titles, you would think like the TNT and AEW titles would probably close both nights. Mm-hmm. You would think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very curious how like Fighter Fest, like what is because that would be the ceiling of what an episode of Dynamite can attract. I would say at this point, like during the pandemic. Yeah, like I, I would say, you know, we'll, we'll see what this week's number was. Last week they they did a you know pretty good number even by previous standards, but yeah. um, you know this would be these would be the shows that you would hope are going to do n- well north of like nine hundred or so, get to that like nine fifty if not higher range. Like I think that would be the target for those shows with a month of promotion and presenting them like two pay per view cards. Mm-hmm. Then we had Britt Baker's Road to Recovery video. This was uh, featured her wheeling these like light weights attached to her wheelchair. She's doing her leg exercises with Rebel as the assistant. She's doing the battle ropes at like the slowest pace imaginable. Uh, Dr. Michael Sampson is there. Shivani is there to root her on. It was so cheesy, but it was just awesome because of Britt Baker. I thought it was amazing. You know, I thought this was a tremendous way to follow up on on the promo she did. And, you know, as I think many of us w- would have predicted, like something like this unfortunate injury, her character with her amount of creativity and the people that are whoever's helping her with these or if she's coming up with them herself, like it, it, it a leg injury is not going to stop somebody. In fact, like it, it's it seems to have made her and her character even more interesting and more creative. And I thought this was a great follow-up. You know, she's not recycled one gag yet. The first week we had that office type of documentary. You know, we had that great kind of like, um, you know, promo easel thing last week. And then this week it was like a cheesy slow-mo, like inspirational workout video. Um, I'm, I just continue to be so impressed by, by her. It's my favorite thing on this show. Big Swole, Nyla Rose. They were put, putting this over that this is Big Swole's first match in two and a half months. Uh, she had this big headlock takeover, then went to an abdominal stretch. Uh, Rose gets sent over the top to the floor, and then Swole is swept on the apron, and they show Baker and Rebel in the uh, Rolls Royce watching. They go through the commercial. Rose is uh, bending her over the knee, and then Swole flips into the ring with a cutter. It gets stopped, and then Swole chop blocks the knee. Rose catches her with a spear coming off the rope, but the beast bomb gets countered with a roll-up by Swole for a two-count. She tries for dirty dancing. It's stopped, and Rose hits a sit-out spine buster, more so of a power bomb, and then wins the match in nine and a half minutes. Rehab match for Nyla. Uh, but, you know, really, as much of that uh, as it was, it was as much of a showcase for Big Swole, who I thought looked pretty good here. I thought it was really interesting how she seemed to be the focus here because Tony spoke with her afterwards, despite losing the match. Yeah, I mean, they, they made this much more of a focus on Swole. Um, they showed a shot of Hikaru Shida watching Nyla Rose after the win. And then as Shivani speaks with Swole, he praises her after being off for two and a half months says it's good to be back, and she says it re-centered her while she was gone, and she points and says that the fans are behind her. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I, what, I, I do what, understand. What fans? Well, maybe she means, like, the fans at home are metaphorically behind her. Okay, she was pointing. I didn't know where she was pointing. There were some fans, I guess. FTR. Yes. Sitting in the back. Vicky. 
Vicky. Yeah. You know, I will say I, I, I understand and I, I definitely don't feel like this loss hurt Big Swole at all. Uh, and I understand needing to, you know, use the time to rehab Nyla Swole. Uh, sorry, Nyla Rose. Um, but couldn't they have like given Swole a win? I guess they just don't see her. I mean, they, I I think they they still. It, it felt like they were setting up like Rose probably getting a rematch with Hikaru Shida. That's how I kind of saw this at the end, just like with the constant shots to Shida. So I mean, if that's the direction they're going, I you I do, do see that next week or in a separate match. I mean this th- this was it. I mean, uh, they did tell the story that Big Swole's been gone for two and a half months. I mean, logically, she probably shouldn't be beating the former champion after that time off. But why put her against the former champion? Well, she's got to beat somebody. Could be anybody. I don't think this really hurts Swole. If anything, I don't think so I th- either, but I think a win would have like done that much better. If if you're going that direction, I don't I don't think they're positioning her for a title match right now. So I mean, they, they no. Look at I'm this saying that- I'm saying they I I wouldn't have put her against Nyla Rose. Period. Right. Well. Um, you know, I, I I thought personally, I, th- I thought this match at, at times went a bit too long. It was, I, I thought having the commercial break in this one, it kind of extended it longer than it, it needed to be. And I think the big swole, I think, uh, I I still feel that there is a lot of potential in, in her. But I was glad that she got the promo afterwards because they kind of were setting up something with her and Baker by just Baker getting, starting to yell at her and then they end up backing up the Rolls Royce into the barricade. Like she was going to like drive into the ring with it. And Swole just picks up a chair and chases them away in the truck. So by the end of this, I, I think this was like one of bigger, uh, big Swole's bigger moments in the company. Makes you wonder when that match would be, you know, <laughs> this is a long-term build. Yeah. Hmm. All out. She um, could face rebel. I guess, yeah. I mean, she she's there as like the makeup person, but in theory, could do a match. Yeah. Then this was like the start of like three consecutive interview segments with Shivani. Our next one was with Darby Allen, who has not been cleared after his attack by Brian Cage. He says life is one big joke. However, Cage, I'll get the last laugh. I thought it was the wrong setting for this type of promo from Darby Allen. You know, Tony is playing a sportscaster. This was, like, taking place in, like, a medical room or something. And here's Darby Allen being, like, super dark, ultra serious, speaking like a Watchmen character. And, in effect, like, with a one-liner type of type of thing like this, I thought he came across a little bit comedic here. Like, you're almost expecting the camera to cut back to Tony saying, okay, you know, that type <laughs> of thing. It's it's totally I think the wrong type of setting for you know how how compared to how good Darby usually comes across in those black and white videos. Yeah, I mean it could have been even with that that one line about life is one big joke, but I'll get the last laugh as he like burns a photo of Brian Cage with his like leg on fire or something. <laughs> in black and so, white, the just black lots and white, of fire. The black yeah, and black white and, is what makes black it. and white flames. Yeah. Then Shivani does his sit down with FTR. And uh, the first question, what does FTR stand for? And they explain, it's not a tagline. It's a way of life. It's anything they want it to be. It could be uh, follow the rules. Or follow for now, the rules. follow the rules. Yeah, imagine uh, 15,000 people chanting that. 
Uh, for now, it is for the revolution. And see, I really had, like the T-shirt that they had. Fuck the rest. There's a lot you can play. Like those are three good letters that you can uh, make plenty of adjustments to, and they're pretty much doing like the CM Punk joke, where he would just always come up with different things that it stood for. It's just like you can have, you can make a million shirts with these guys because it can mean five thousand things. And maybe perhaps like Punk, they're doing it because the reality of what the, what it stands for is incredibly lame. Yeah, when when uh when Cody and Dustin get together, it's fuck the roads. Fuck the roads, yeah. Yeah, there's lots uh, of different ways. Um, yeah, we can okay. stop. Okay. They've had a year and a half to think about this tag division <laughs> as they go through them. They called Private Party great kids. They mentioned Santana and Ortiz watching them. The Lucha Bros are the opposite of what they stand for. Page, it was fine. Like for some of them, they just like got these like little subtle jabs in on them. Like Page and Omega, they're not even a real tag team. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's great. Like threw shots at everybody. Their delivery was great. I thought both of these two were were very very good. Uh, Tony says you never mentioned the Young Bucks, and uh, Dax explains that that's not a dream match for FTR. We're sick of having to hear Dave Meltzer sing their praises and call them the next Midnight Express. They, they don't want to have a great tag match. They want to get into the ring and punch them in the mouth and beat them in three seconds. And they've dreamed of this moment for five years. And the reason they didn't strike them last week was because they don't want there to be any doubt or any any excuses that they were softened up by Butcher and the Blade, that, that Matt Jackson was injured. And they want to beat them and have the announcers apologize and admit FTR were the best tag team. So the interview ends. Tony stands up, and I guess we're we're supposed to believe that this is uh we're not supposed to be seeing this as they're just casually talking. Where Shivani says, "You know, I thought FTR meant fuck the revival," and with that, Butcher and Blade, complete in their white outfits, come in, and they have to be separated. And Cash says it was just business last week, not personal, and perhaps we can just finish it in the ring. And they toss water at the blade on his birthday, no less, and say, we'll see you next week. So that is going to be FTR's first AEW match next week on television with Butcher and the Blade. You know, I thought they accomplished so much here with FTR. I thought it was exactly the type of introduction you would hope for a new act in front of a new audience. And look how simple it was. It was like, you know, a couch, Tony, FTR, like one or two cameras there. Didn't need like a... Uh, beautifully lit backdrop with like uh, smoke or something in the background. No bowling games or anything like that. No scripted promos even. It was just like tag team talking about who they want to face in this division. And they set up like they set up their next program with Butcher and the Blade. They told you who, what their ultimate destination was in the Young Bucks. Told you why they didn't attack the Young Bucks last week. Um, I I thought it was like so simple and just so well done. This is like exactly all wrestling needs to be. I think Tony is really great, you know, compared to the the, the last segment where I didn't think that was a really great setting in a setting like this. He is perfect. He, he is great for these more conversational kind of, that's, that's the term I was going to use. He's he, the conversation of Tony Schiavone just works so well. Jim Ross is very good in these segments when Mm -hmm. it comes to like really pushing the big fight Mm -hmm. and setting the tone when, when that drama is needed and, 
Tony, like this, he can just be really laid back and let the guys just carry it. They were fantastic here. I just love this because it's the case so often when we will see someone come into WWE and it's almost like, you know, what we were talking about with Matt Riddle. It's like sometimes you just go with somebody and you tell the world that these guys are the are the top team that everyone's got to knock off. And it's not this we're starting at the bottom and we got to slowly build them up on our timetable. And a year from now is when we're really going to get behind them. But by that point, the fans have moved on. In this case, they're coming in. They are establishing we are the best tag team in the world, and they're presenting them as the best tag team in the world. It's not like this is these guys are delusional or it's tongue in cheek. It's no these. This is the the team to beat, and every team has to be looking over their shoulders at these guys. I imagine they must have felt so good after a segment like this. You know, like when when was the last time they had a segment like this? Exactly. And they're great talkers. That was a huge underutilized aspect of these guys. Yes. But um, so next week they've announced um, FTR against Butcher and the Blade, Colt Cabana versus Sammy Guevara. Mark Quinn will challenge for the TNT title. I guess in an open challenge, it, you, can, you can have a loss and you can still come back and get a title shot. Yeah. Is there like a sign up sheet or something? It must be. I mean, maybe uh, everyone was so concerned about him being injured and he was taken to the trainer's room and there's there was the sheet. It's like, hey, I'm the only injured guy here. I'm going to sign my name up. I'm fine. Maybe they hide the sheet around the arena at a, at a different spot. You can find yeah. it. It's like a scavenger hunt. Interesting. Uh, then we've got Santana, Ortiz, and Jake Hager against the best friends and Orange Cassidy. That should end with Orange Cassidy getting bloodied by Jericho. Damn. That's how you set that match up. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dude, I'm writing this down. Jeez. Bloody tool. (laughs) I'm literally writing that down here on my notes. (laughs) Um, And John Moxley wrestling on AEW Dark next Tuesday. Sir, yeah. Champion. Why not? Why not? Catch catch Davey Portman's reports every week. Postwrestling.com. Mr. Tuesday Night, Davey Portman. Impact and Dark. Mm Mm-hmm. Marvez is back. He's with Cabana. Brings up, hey, you lost again. He said, I've proven I can hang with the big guys on national TV. I've gotten some big wins. Uh, Or sorry, he's the big victories lurk over his shoulder, and he's now lost to Lance Archer. Now he's lost to Chris Jericho. So Brody Lee walks in and said, losses are a part of life. Without loss, we don't grow, and it's what we do after a loss and how we respond. And Lee can help him with that. Passes him a bottle of water, and Cabana takes the water, which I guess is maybe to symbolize the Kool-Aid that he's about to be drinking. And he tells Marvez, I'm not interested in joining that group, but we're led to believe that Cabana is considering it as he's hit this stumbling block in his career. Definitely an interesting combination of personalities. You know, Cabana certainly feels like the last, the least likely candidate for the Dark Order. Orange but, Cassidy. Uh, That too, yeah. Yeah, but Cabana maybe even more so because like you know Orange Cassidy doesn't speak much, would kind of make for like a druid kind of seamlessly. <laughs> Cabana, lazy druid, <laughs> you know, lazy, yeah, the lazy minion. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see that too, but Cabana is like, like the happiest man in the world, and for him to join the Dark Order, I'm actually quite interested. You know, I don't. I hope this isn't just another Chris Daniels. Uh, I'm not joining. Haha. 
I hope he joins. Like, please. Like, have him infiltrate the Dark Order. I, I need to see either a dark Colt Cabana or a happy Dark Order. Revolt Cabana. I don't think they could use the Revolt now. No. I think that, I think that word is banned. That that Period. word is banned, yeah. The WWE got rid of the buckle bomb. These guys can't do revolt. Mm. So main event, Cody and Jungle Boy for the TNT Championship. Uh, this this was booked like the main event of WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Big title match. I mean, the first title defense for the this, this brand new belt. You, you had to go all out. They did not mm-hmm. spare any expense here. Pyro, blood, big spots. Uh, like this had everything. They went through a break. MJF is in the front row, and he calls Jungle Boy a joke. And Jungle Boy asks him, how does your chest feel? And he challenges him to hit him, and they're going back and forth. I hope these two are, like, lifelong rivals. I hope they are the the Ewings and Barnes of AEW, and they hate each other till their dying days. I think that's what they're going for. Uh, I The Ewings and the Barnes? The Ewings and the Barnes, exactly. Yeah, I have to imagine. Um yeah, because MJF is clearly Jr. And I guess Jungle Boy, I don't really he he definitely screams more like Bobby, but for the purpose of my narrative, would have to be Cliff. I thought you were talking about basketball. No, no, Patrick was not part of the that Ewing family. Okay, Cody. So after this break, <laughs> Jungle Boy and MJF are attacking or yelling back and forth at each other. We cut over. Cody's been thrown into a wall and he has just donated blood to all of the citizens of Jacksonville. Oh, and to the camera guy, you know, blood all over this lens. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I still feel really weird about like, you know, intentional blood during all of this. But um, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not actually not that informed about, about the transmission rates with through blood. But anyway, they are tested, so. Arn gets uh, Bryce to go check on Cody. Co- uh, Jungle Boy then goes after the, the cut, and Cody gets away, hits this bicycle kick, but then uh, he gets drop-kicked on the turnbuckle, and Cody hits a superplex, takes off the weight belt, but he tosses it away. He's not going to utilize it here on Jungle Boy. The figure four gets stopped, and then we see this table that has been set up on the floor from when they were down there. And the two fight on top, and they crash through the table, and they cut away to Arn, which was like the second best cutaway this year outside of the uh, the Larry Bird cutaway in the uh, Pacers-Bulls game in the last dance. The Larry Bird cutaway? Where Reggie Miller hits the three-pointer. Yeah. And everyone is ecstatic. They think, oh, Indiana's going to win. Oh. And we cut the Larry Bird, and he's like, Stoic. Yeah. not buying it, not yeah. buying it at all. Cody kicks out when he rolls him in the ring, and then Cody fires up. He hits this crazy-looking co- crossroads that looks like he spikes him right down on the head, pins him in 1221, and Cody, all bloody, d- grabs him like he's Shawn Michaels to the retired Ric Flair. Like, that's the image they went for here. The locker room empties with Brandy, Dustin, the Jurassic Express. Pyro's going off as Cody and Jungle Boy hug. They shake hands. I mean, this was like the most epic television main event I've seen in my life. Sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they clearly wanted the type of match that they can, you know, claim afterwards. Oh, did you... Did you t- you, if you miss this, you miss the greatest wrestling match ever. 
this was not the greatest wrestling match ever. This was good. I, I enjoyed the match, but to me, uh, this didn't hold a candle to me of what Jungle Boy did last weekend. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, I thought it was a good match too. It know? was. It was. It was a good match. Like it was. It was a fine start to this TNT run. But I wouldn't say this. Um, I, I would say I. I. I would say like you could debate if the tag match was was better than this. Uh, earlier in the show, I liked the tag match more actually. Yeah, but I did too. Was, uh, I think. Yeah. You know, it was good, it, it, and I think they just wanted everything possible to ensure that it it, it was. Um, I don't know if they were hoping; they're probably hoping for an epic match. I don't know if they got there, but it needed to feel like it was a big deal because they wanted to establish this belt as the workers' belt. And, you can't you can't force the epic, which is what Edge and Randy Orton are going to learn too. Yeah, yeah, and you know, certainly you could kind of see through it, even in a case like this with the fireworks and this. Part of my concern. Okay, well, first let me talk about the match. I, I, I think first of all, I think you know, as the weeks progress and seeing where they're going with the CNT title, it really continues to make more sense why Cody would be the perfect candidate for it. If you're mm-hmm. going to do an yep. open challenge type of thing, Cody is a perfect wrestler because he can easily transition sort of between your heel and babyface roles within a match, depending on who the opponent is. I would say here, at least for the first half of this match, he pretty much like kind of played like your favorite oversized guy against pretty much the perfect underdog they have in a jungle boy yeah and it's certainly not the same type of thing you could do if somebody like like a lance archer won this belt and if he set up an open challenge like you would just expect like a bunch of squashes right you can't have these big epic battle battles unless it was a character like cody i you know as far as like the blood goes when it occurred i was a little concerned that it would take away from the babyface underdog story they're telling with jungle boy and I'm trying to think, like, why in a match like this you would have Cody bleed rather than Jungle Boy bleed if you're going to have anybody bleed. I didn't like the blood, to be honest. To me, it was like just, just trying to, like, force the drama. And right. this this match did not call for it to me. I think he had enough to work with that uh, the blood to me was just um, gratuitous. I guess the idea was to make Jungle Boy look like he's taken Cody to the limit. That, that was, I think, the effect, like, with the near falls. Like, Cody was Cody is playing Ric Flair in this role. And this is... The, the traveling champion that goes to the territory and makes the baby face come within an inch of winning the title. Like that seems to be the prototype that Cody is following here right down to the blood. See, but I think that only works if Flair is the heel and Cody, which, which Flair was. Yeah. yeah. And Cody is, um, in, in you this know, case, I, you, you kind of like you're, you're led to feel sympathy for Cody, which to me took away from jungle boy sympathy, um, which, you know, by the end, they wanted like that this big epic bloody battle, and you know they they tried their their best to get to it. But I I would have personally liked to have seen just a straight up like baby face Jungle Boy type of match. But anyway, it was still good. It was still good. Uh, I I, I like tonight's episode. Very um, you know, quick moving show. I thought you had a a lot of good wrestling on the show between the tag match, the main event. I enjoyed Jericho and Cabana on the show as well. Um. And you have your your destination with, with Fighter Fest that's coming up in a month that will, you know, I, I think they can really build up those those shows to feel important, especially coming off Double or Nothing, where I think AEW has really established themselves as putting on quality shows and putting them on free TV is it'll be an interesting to test to see how many people that have heard the word of mouth of these shows uh, spike those numbers. I think it should do pretty well, you know, especially if they're promoting it this far in, in advance, like a whole month. Right. Um, I, I like the show a lot. I, I thought, you know, the return of a lot of uh, talent, certainly like a hangman page made the show really good. I love the build for a lot of their um, main matches coming up. 
Uh, we got to see Chris Jericho wrestle on the show. You know, some good promos as well. Britt Baker was excellent. So, yeah, solid. And the debut of the glove. The glove. All right, let's go to some feedback and see what everyone thought about Dynamite. Tonight, uh, the poll gave this show an 8 out of 10. Ari from Montreal. Is there a clause in Cody's contract he has to do color in big matches? Seems unnecessary. Well, most times. It's not unnecessary in some of his matches. It's 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 added to it. I, I've said many times, I'm not a fan. I can understand why blood is appreciated, and there's no doubt it does add to a drama, but I'm also, I'm not the biggest fan of blood just at all in pro wrestling. But, you know, in this company, they are going to utilize it a lot more than WWE is going to. And, you know, there is a dramatic effect it it adds, but there's also, you know, a certain uneasiness I have with blood. Certainly, like, the the both times we've seen it recently with Cody and with Dustin and their matches using it for, like, I would say, like, I understand why, I understood it why he did it more here, but, like, Dustin doing it in, like, the first round or second round of that, like, TNT tournament thing, I I think screams that it's, it, it you know, really that they're bordering on you, relying on that as a crutch right now, uh, because they can, and... It, it it is certainly getting to that point, at least for me and seemingly Ari here. Oh, my turn. We got an Andrew from Cape Breton who says AEW was good tonight. I really enjoyed the tag team match at the start of the show and felt it really did a good job in establishing Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc as strong contenders, even though they haven't been a team for that long. On Twitter, I found what I found interesting was Cash Wheeler criticizing them for the lack of use of the tag rope. I really like well follow the rules, right? Yep. FTR. I really like FTR scouting tag teams and tag team matches from the crowd. FTR could be in AEW what Jim Cornette could have been if Cornette wasn't so toxic. Speaking of people in the crowd, how the crowd is used is night night and day compared to WWE. It seems the people in the crowd are important because some of them are undercard talent, but some of them are also stars who are scouting and eventually being used in the show. I think NXT could have used that with Drake Maverick and maybe some of his main roster friends show up in solidarity to cheer him on. Highlight of the show was Britt Baker, who is one of the best people on the show. Seven yellow Power Rangers out of ten. Yes, that was Big Swole's outfit. The Yellow Ranger. Um, Noah from Vaughn writes, he enjoyed the show tonight. It was awesome seeing Hangman and Kenny team up on Dynamite again. The opening tag was very fun. Sabian and Havoc have really taken a big step forward in 2020, in my opinion. Britt Baker continues to be the most entertaining part of any wrestling show. That 60-second montage had me dying of laughter. Eight and a half out of ten show for me tonight. Although it wasn't officially announced, do you think they end up doing Orange Cassidy versus Jericho at one of the Fighter Fest shows? I think that would be a nice hook, similar to the intrigue that Cassidy and Pac had at Revolution. Definitely. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's it's at this point like almost too big of a match to like just give away on a on a random dynamite, and two kind of they could do it for a pay per view honestly, like if they wanted to. But I think for a fighter fest, it's almost perfect. Yep. We go to Kenny who says, "I really enjoyed the show tonight. The tag title match was really good, and Penelope Ford continues to look like a star. Britt Baker's montage was great. Brian Cage looked like a beast, and Colt versus Jericho was a lot of fun. While I liked the show, that that main event made no sense to me." Of all the matches for Cody to do blood in, this was not it. Then both guys fall through a table in a moment I thought was destined to be a double countout, only for Cody to pop right up and win. I've been looking forward to the open challenge, but I have to say they're 0-1 so far. Wow. 
Raymond from Sacramento. While not a distraction from the current state of the world, tonight's Dynamite from the opening title card all the way to the end of the show was a very easy-to-watch show. Good wrestling, a Dynamite segment for the role model Britt Baker, multiple other backstage moments, and a really good main event. Cody going heelish in the match made Jungle Boy Jack Perry look like an even bigger babyface than he already was. The blood looked fake, and I loved how the table snapped. I look forward to the weekly TNT title defenses. Nine out of ten show. I guess it could have been fake blood. It's an option you can use. Like, there's no rule that says you have to use real blood. It would be much more sanitary to just use uh, fake blood, and most people probably can't tell the difference. Especially if it's a tape show. Yep. All right, we got a Doug from Tupton Classic UK who says, Firstly, to all our friends in the U.S., our thoughts and solidarity goes out to you during these changing times. We must hope that lasting progressive systemic change comes from this and that minority ethnic groups no longer have to face such routine indignities and grotesque persecutions as a part of everyday life. It is long overdue that inequality be on everybody's lips, and it's a travesty for such circumstances to be necessary to bring this conversation to the fore. On to Dynamite, I very much enjoyed tonight's show and had few faults to find. The in-ring throughout was impressive, and there was also some excellent mic work, with Taz and Moxley being the standout after Brian Cage was made to look superb once again. AEW proves its quality as both a product and as a roster when you find yourself expecting Tyson to come out to confront Jericho, but instead you get Orange Cassidy, and you're not in the least bit disappointed. My only real criticism from the show was Cody's unnecessary color, which I felt somewhat diminished the otherwise quality main event. I give the show a 9 out of 10 and look forward to the built to fighter fest. I'm honestly surprised at the amount of other people that felt critical of Cody's blood. Wow, really interesting. It was uh, like to me, it was it was unnecessary. It was just Mm. like it was, you know, we're going to take every little shortcut we can. And maybe shortcut isn't a fair term, but it was like taking every advantage that we have at our disposal instead of just kind of maximizing what you do have instead of going to every trick in the in the book that I don't think you needed in this match. Like Mm -hmm. it's you've got the title match. It's a cool story with Jungle Boy, who has been presented as almost like this this mentor, uh, Cody being like a mentor to to Jungle Boy. And that to me was enough. I I didn't think you needed to go to uh, the added lengths like blood should be special. I don't think this this called for it at all. I think it should be a lesson, honestly. Um, to them to not overuse something like this and even something as uh, you know gimmicky like trying to use fireworks to really dress up and create that atmosphere that maybe wasn't really there for this one to begin with uh, it can be a turnoff rather than you know something that accentuates the, the show the pyro I had less of an issue with because it was it was really establishing that this like it feels like a major league show when you're going off the air like that it makes this title feel important and I would imagine like I just saw like the still shots of like the last shot of NXT with Hunter with Drake Maverick handing him the title and you compare it to AEW. It's just one just seems so much bigger than the other. The perception of it. True. Yes. All right. Thanks. A lot of great feedback to tonight's edition of Dynamite. So uh, that's going to wrap it up. Wait, do you have any any closing thoughts? You know, um, not so much. Honestly, everybody, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's it, uh, obviously a difficult period to, to say the least but um i i i'm honestly like amazed at, at how many how much positive positivity has come our way john i don't know if it's been the same for you but like you know for myself at least like the feedback has has just been like unanimously um positive which is amazing and uh you know continue to share that uh 
you know, type of type of spirit, you know, throughout the week, not just this one, but like throughout forever, really. So anyway, that's it. Yeah. Um, thanks to everybody. We appreciate it. And we hope everyone's doing safe that's listening to this. And we'll be back Friday night with Rewind to Smackdown.